You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Welcome to the podcast. This will be the podcast. The Outdoor Sports Podcast. It is Wednesday, March 30th, 2022, people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for a loaded episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast Final Four Week. We got a lot to discuss. I'm actually in New Orleans now. Got in late Tuesday. Very excited to be here. This is what is on tap for today's show here on Wednesday. First of all, we got ourselves a Blue Blood Final Four. Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, Villanova. Not a Blue Blood. We already discussed that a year ago. Four great teams, four great programs. Is that good or bad for college basketball? Do we need a St. Peter's? Do we need a Miami? Do we need a Loyola Chicago? I will discuss that. Then we'll get into a little guy I like to call Coach K. Saw a tweet, saw somebody say that he believes that people are actually rooting for Coach K. Yeah, I don't buy that. But what I will say is uh, we'll discuss are people rooting for Coach K, and if they're not, why that's actually a testament to Coach K's greatness. I think it's a really interesting segment I do think that you'll enjoy, as well as is this Duke team somehow a little bit more likable based on how they've played in the tournament? Finally, we'll wrap on a little recruiting news. Tuesday night, McDonald's All-American game, another five-star commitment for Arkansas. The Razorbacks are rolling. Back-to-back Elite Eights, three McDonald's All-Americans, what does this mean for their team? What does it mean for Eric Musselman and this program as they continue to build an absolute juggernaut that will be feared, that needs to, I don't know about they will be, they need to be feared in college basketball as a major, major, major threat going forward. But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. The topic of the day, not sure if you heard, we got ourselves a Final Four this week, baby. That is right. The college basketball world is descending upon New Orleans. I am actually in New Orleans recording as we speak. Got in late Tuesday. Shout out Hard Rock Cafe. It was the only place that could seat me. So I had a nice, uh, fancy New Orleans dinner at Hard Rock Cafe. That's neither here nor there. But I'm excited to be here. And look, it goes without saying that as the Final Four, as we get set for this Final Four, uh, the big story is Coach K. We'll talk a little bit about Coach K in a minute. <coughs> Excuse me. We'll talk a little bit about Coach K in a minute, but at the end of the day, this is what is known as the Blue Blood Final Four. Now, Villanova's not a Blue Blood. That's another conversation for another day. We already had it a year ago. Sorry, Villanova fans. Not a Blue Blood. Great program. Whatever. Who cares? But at the end of the day, we do have four big, iconic brands here in New Orleans, Duke, Carolina, 
Kansas and Villanova. And it has led to what I think is a very interesting conversation. Obviously, three Hall of Fame head coaches, a fourth school that everybody knows and everybody recognizes. And it's led to an interesting conversation that I think is a really fun one, which is, is this good for college basketball? In other words, is it good to have this blue blood Final Four, four big programs, three Hall of Fame coaches, four recognizable brands, four big fan bases? Or would it have been better to have a St. Peter's upset North Carolina, a Miami upset Kansas to get a Loyola Chicago or George Mason type team to this final four. What I would say, and we'll get into the who, what, when, where, why, I think it's not even debatable. I think this is great for college basketball. I think this is actually what college basketball needed is a final four like this with, again, four iconic brands, four big time programs, three Hall of Fame coaches, and another head coach who, by the way, as critical as I've been of Hubert Davis, obviously has a chance to have a very successful career at North Carolina. Now, in terms of the why, I'll say this. Listen, I I haven't always been on the, um, you know, we need four elite programs in college basketball to be at the Final Four. And as a matter of fact, for those of you who are saying, no, 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 I wanted St. Peter's. Like, what I would tell you is this. One, you know, obviously one, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but two, I'm not even sure that I believed that I did not want St. Peter's. Yes, I just used a double negative. The point I'm trying to make is Saturday night, the Duke game goes final, and I'm actually on air on Fox Sports Radio, and I made the argument, you know, the the conversation came up between my, my radio partner and I, Jason Martin. Who does the TBS, CBS executives want? Who does America want to win on Sunday? We had obviously, we were on on Saturday, the Arkansas Duke game goes final, and so Uh, St. Peter's and North Carolina had not gone final at that point and we just kind of had the conversation like yeah North Carolina versus Duke is a big great iconic rivalry but at the same time do we really want to see that again or would we love to see St. Peter's versus Duke would we love to see the ultimate David versus the ultimate Goliath the ultimate David trying to end the ultimate Goliath's career as a head coach and coach K and while I was on air I actually made the argument that I, I was like, wait a second now. I think I kind of want St. Peter's. I think I kind of want Shaheen Holloway and the Peacocks trying to end Coach K's career. But then I talked it out loud. And then I said it out loud. And then I said, wait a second now. North Carolina, Duke, in the Final Four, Bourbon Street, Carolina and Duke fans maybe brawling in the streets, asking Coach K about Carolina, asking Hubert Davis about Carolina, Carolina having the chance to end Coach K's career in the ultimate trump card in this rivalry. And I sat there and said, Wait, St. Peter's Duke would be good, but I'll take Duke, North Carolina, which is what we ultimately got. And so what I would say is if you think that you would have preferred St. Peter's, I don't blame you because I was there. But what I would also say is that I am a reflection of society as a whole. And what do I mean by that? It's that society as a whole tells you they want the upset, tells you they want the little guy. But the numbers don't actually reflect that they want the little guy. The numbers reflect that they want the big, bold, headline brands. In the NBA, they say they want the, uh, the, the, the seven-seeded whoever to make a run. They really want the Lakers. NFL, they really want Tom Brady. They really want the Patriots. They really want the Green Bay Packers. They, they, you know, you could say you want the Philadelphia Eagles with Jalen Hurts. The numbers say you actually want Tom Brady, and it's the same in college basketball. First of all, I would say this. You know, I think this show is a little bit of a microcosm of that. I love all of you guys and girls who download this show. I am forever grateful, forever appreciative. So please don't take this as a negative in any way, shape, or form. But after, uh, you know, as the tournament has gone on, I had so many people tweet at me, text me, whatever. 
oh, my team's out. Whether it's UConn, whether it's Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, Auburn, whoever. Well, my team's out. I don't care. I'm not watching this tournament anymore. Well, I'll say this for this podcast. I can't speak for every podcast, and maybe all of a sudden I picked up a bunch of new Duke and Kansas fans along the way. But you know when the second most downloaded day in the history of this podcast is? It was Monday of this week when we got the Blue Blood Final Four. And so a lot of people say I'm not going to watch, say I don't care, say I want St. Peter's, say I don't want to see big brands. But at least the numbers of this podcast reflect that you guys actually are, are very intrigued at the very least. Now, you may be hate watching it because you hate Duke, you hate Carolina, you hate Kansas. Maybe you have no strong opinion on Villanova. But you'll be watching nonetheless, which actually brings me uh, to a point that we'll make later. But at the same time, you know what else reflects that? Not just this podcast. Who cares about this podcast? It's, you know, in the grand scheme of media, I'd love to pretend that this podcast is one of the two or three, uh, you know, points that matters in terms of uh, trends and statistics and data. It really doesn't. But you know where else it's reflected that you guys actually don't care about the little guy and do root for the big guy? It's actually in the TV ratings, and it's pretty interesting because the TV ratings have actually been through the roof for this NCAA tournament. Now, I get there's varying factors. Obviously, for the first time since 2019, it's back on a normal schedule. 2020, we had no tournament. 2021, we had the tournament. But if you remember, there was a weird schedule. It started on Friday. There was games on Monday. There was games on Tuesday. Elite Elite Eight games were Monday, Tuesday. There's the gambling aspect of it. So I get there's varying factors as to why the numbers of this tournament might be up. But what I am telling you is they're way up as all of these big brands have continued to have success, continue to win, and the ratings are reflective that you guys and girls do, in fact, care about these big brands. You might love them, you might hate them, but you care, and you're watching. First of all, opening round, up 12% from last year. Now, again, last year was weird, COVID, bubble, whatever, but up 12%. You guys tuned in, you wanted to see who's going to get upset, who's going to advance, blah, 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 blah. On top of that... That second round Michigan State Duke game did insane numbers, 11.8 million viewers. 11.8 million viewers for a second round game with Duke. You can love Coach K, you can hate him. You tuned in to see if he was not gonna if he was gonna advance to the Sweet 16 or not. You guys tuned in. 11.8 million is like a number that that Adam Silver would cry tears of joy if he could get for the Eastern Conference or Western Conference Finals, and in some cases the NBA Finals. On top of that, that Sweet 16 window that included Duke-Texas Tech, the most watched Thursday Sweet 16 since Kentucky versus Kansas State in 2018. Kentucky fans, I'm sorry to bring it up, but again, it proves most watched Thursday. You had Duke this year, you had Kentucky in 2018. Oh, by the way, Friday, St. Peter's-Purdue, when St. Peter's pulled off that upset of Purdue, 10.18 million viewers on CBS most watched Friday Sweet 16 game since Kentucky. This is a positive one since Kentucky in 2011 against Ohio State. And so I bring it up to say, just think about that. First first round, opening round, up 12% from last year. Sunday Elite Eight, or Sunday second round game with Duke, huge numbers. Thursday Sweet 16 game with Duke, huge numbers. Friday Sweet 16, huge numbers. And I know it was kind of a weird brand. And I'm saying that the point I'm trying to make is when St. Peter's was in it, when they were relevant and when they were taking on Purdue, you guys and girls watched. You know when you didn't watch though? And this I found very interesting. You know the one window that was actually down ratings wise this year? It was the Sunday afternoon window. 
that featured Carolina and St. Peter's. And I think the reason why was very straightforward. It was because of the fact that St. Peter's got boat raced, right? Like, like, like UNC jumps out to a 9-0 lead, St. Peter's is way down, and you realize really quick the shoe is coming off Cinderella, and, and you guys and girls just either never tuned in, never got to it, or you tuned out really quick. And so to me, that tells you everything that you need to know. You watched when Duke was on the ropes. You watched when uh, in the opening round. You watched when St. Peter's... But the second that the St. Peter's story started to die, you were like, I'm out, Carolina's advancing, Give me the Blue Blood Final Four. So to me, the numbers reflect that you guys and girls, whether you say it or not, you want the big brands in college basketball. And that's why I think this weekend is great. And I think it's important because of basically, let me let me take a step back. I don't think it's important. I think it's good for college basketball. And as I said to lead this segment, I think it's actually what college basketball needed. And let me explain why. Listen, it's been, it goes without saying. It's been an up and down couple of years for college basketball. If you listen to me on with Colin Cowherd on Monday, we talked a little bit about this. Is is college basketball? I don't even think it's arguable. Was more hurt by the pandemic than any other sport in America, right? The NCAA tournament in 2020 was the only major sporting event canceled. We figured out a way to play the NBA Finals in a bubble. We figured out a way to play Major League Baseball in a bubble. We figured out a way to play NFL games with either no fans in the stands or limited fans. Same with college football. The NCAA tournament was the one thing that was canceled in 2020, and in 2021, it was the one sporting, it was really the last sporting event that was kind of played under old school COVID protocol. So what I mean by that is this, the NCAA tournament played in a bubble, limited fans, two weeks later, we're playing NBA finals games with full fans, full capacity at Madison Square Garden. And so I bring it to say, college basketball has been really hurt. And so one college basketball needed a tournament like this, but on top of it, they needed a final four like this because what I believe about college basketball is this. While I love college basketball, while I believe it is a great sport, the one disadvantage that college basketball has going for it is the constant churn of players and flipping rosters and all that stuff. And get don't get me wrong, I love the portal, I love all that. Uh, it does hurt with recognizability and in terms of um, you know, kind of creating storylines and narratives. And at the end of the day, and I know I'm going a million different directions here, but stick with me. At the end of the day, sports is about narratives, right? Sports is about storylines. Sports is about you love this guy, you, lo- you hate that guy. You love this team, you hate that team. As I said a minute ago, Tom Brady's playing. You might love him, you might hate him, but you're watching. Same with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Same with the Dallas Cowboys in the NBA. We can criticize LeBron for a lot of things, but when he's playing a big game that matters, you are watching. Same with Steph Curry. I know he's not as hateable. I actually think some of it is, I get kind of annoyed by some of the Steph Curry stuff. But the point I'm trying to make is what college basketball often lacks is the recognizable storylines. And that is where I think not having a St. Peter's or Loyola of Chicago or whatever I think it's actually good for college basketball in this Final Four. Listen, everybody says they love uh, they love Sister Jean. Give Sister Jean about two, three games, you kind of get tired of that narrative and you want something else, you want something to latch on to. Well, the one thing you can't say about some of these teams that are at the Final Four this year, you can't say you don't have an opinion on them. You might love Coach K, which we're going to get into in a minute. Very likely you don't love Coach K, but you're going to watch on Saturday night because you want to see, is this the end? Can Carolina finally knock them off? You probably don't like Bill Self if you're a college basketball fan, but you're going to watch because you want to see him lose. 
Villanova, you probably do like Jay Wright. You know his team is 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 pretty beat up right now with Justin Moore out. Uh, their their backup Jordan Longino is out as well. You're going to watch to see if they can. So the point I'm trying to make: college basketball is a sport that often, 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 often does lack narratives and does lack storylines. And so because of that, yes, I do believe that it is good for college basketball to have this blue blood Final Four. Uh, Sorry, Sister Jean. Sorry, Loyola Chicago. And sorry to the St. Pete's Peacocks. But I truly believe that this is what is best for college basketball. And I think college basketball should be happy with the Final Four teams that they have. Really quickly, I do want to take a quick early break. I want to come back, talk a little bit about Coach K. We'll talk about are people actually rooting for Coach K? There was one national uh, analyst that said that people are. I don't know that I buy it, but we'll discuss Coach K, the legacy, the retirement, um, and really a trend that I have noticed in sports around iconic people retiring. We're going to have that conversation next. I'll be right back. All right, we're going to get back to college basketball in a minute. It's March Madness. And you know what that means? It is time to welcome back our favorite sponsor. And yes, your ladies' favorite sponsor, Manscaped, the worldwide leader in men's below the waist. Today, we're not talking about below the waist grooming because they've launched their ultra premium collection, an all in one skin and hair care kit that has you covered from head to toe. And of course, because Manscaped loves your boy. Because Manscaped loves the Aaron Torres pot, all you gotta go, to, all you gotta do to get any of these products, go to manscaped.com, use promo code Torres, and you can have the world is your oyster. Manscaped.com promo code Torres, fellas. Let's be honest. First of all, let's just call a spade a spade. Manscaped has already helped you once before. Remember that little James Harden beard you had going on downstairs? It was disgusting. Manscaped helped that get cleaned up, and now. You can enhance the rest of your perfect grooming routine with the Ultra Premium Collection. What is the Ultra Premium Collection? You're probably asking, Aaron, what does it mean? I don't get it. Here's what the Ultra Premium Package is. Manscaped Premium Deodorant. This deodorant dries clear, is aluminum-free, and smells like their signature scent. Throw away that gross competitor. We know who they are. Get yourself some Manscaped. Also part of the Ultra Premium Package, the Hydrating Body Moisturizer. If you have tattoos or issues with your skin, It's designed to keep skin feeling clean, smooth, and smelling fresh. It also includes the body wash. I already told you about the body wash. I use it every day. I've never smelled better. I'm not telling you what Mrs. Torres may or may not do when I put that body wash on, but it's a winner. And, of course, the two-in-one shampoo. You'll have a head of hair better than Coach K once you're done with that. So that's the ultra-premium package. We're talking about the deodorant, the hydrating body moisturizer, the body wash, the two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, Plus, check this out, a free gift, a three-pack of lip balm that's made up with ingredients such as vitamin E, peppermint, and eucalyptus oil to keep your lips feeling fresh for whatever activities your lips are doing in March. It's not my business. And as I said, that is four products all in one inside the Ultra Premium Collection. The best part, all the products are cruelty-free, paraben-free, vegan-friendly, and dye-free. I mean, come on. Manscaped's got you looking good, smelling good, uh, without the James Harden beard, all for your March Madness party. Manscaped, worldwide leader in men's below-the-waist grooming. They have expanded the ultra-premium collection. Make sure to go to manscaped.com for all products. But the ultra-premium collection is what we're focused on today. Use promo code TORRES once you get there. 20% off 
plus free shipping. Manscaped.com. Tell them Taurus sent you. Manscaped.com, promo code Taurus. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Thank you again to our partners. Manscaped, Manscaped.com. Use promo code Taurus. 20% off plus free shipping. Manscaped.com. Ladies, by the way, never forget, if your man's embarrassed, if he's a slob and he doesn't know it, you can always go to manscaped.com and use promo code TORRES there too, ladies. 20% off plus free shipping. With that said, let's switch gears. Let's get back on track. Let's talk Final Four. And listen, obviously, look, the 30,000-foot view topic of this Final Four is all of these awesome teams and brands that are here, Villanova, Kansas, North Carolina, Duke. But obviously, the big storyline that is unavoidable is Coach K. It's the retirement tour. He's finally done. These are at most his final two games. And there's going to be over the next three, four, five days a lot of different conversations and opinions about Duke and Coach K as he gets set to wrap up uh, a legendary historic career that, frankly, we're never going to see again. We're never going to see a coach at a school 40-plus years, 1,200 wins. College basketball just isn't built for guys to do that anymore. But one thing that I did find interesting, and, and like I said, there's all sorts of different opinions kind of coming out. But one thing that I did see that was kind of interesting that I wanted to bring to, to the table was this. I've heard a few people, and I'll get into details in a minute, um, explain and say that one of the storylines that they think that is going on in this Final Four is that the average fan is actually rooting for Coach K to go out on top, okay? I'm not talking about diehard Duke fans, and I'm not talking about, by the way, to be clear, diehard fans of other programs, many of which have been scorned by Duke. I'm not talking about diehard uh, North Carolina fans all of a sudden sh turning in one shade of blue for another. I'm not talking about Kentucky fans forgetting about Christian Leitner to throw rose petals at Coach K's feet. But I am talking about the average fan that has no real rooting interest that just tunes into the NCAA tournament that wants to see Coach K go out on top. And, and I thought it came from an interesting place and an interesting media member who brought it up. Now, to be clear, I do not believe that the average fan is actually rooting for Coach K at all. But I thought it was an interesting topic, so let's discuss it and where this idea came from. It came from a tweet, a social media post from a sports writer that some of you may know and some of you may not know. But his name is Dan Wolken. And I don't know Dan Wolken. Now, I will say he was one of the guys that started the whole thing with J.J. Reddick last week trying to come at Torres. You better come at Torres stronger than that, baby. You ain't bringing him down because of one tweet. But Dan Wolken's kind of, I guess you would say, a divisive member of the media. Um, he was one of the guys who really pushed very hard, very publicly to not play sports last year. And I do think he turned a lot of people off with that opinion. As a matter of fact, I think a lot of you found me during that time because of the fact that I was one of the few people saying, listen, I don't know how, but we got to figure out a way to play football. Anyway, Dan, Dan Wolken, I don't know if he is either out of touch with sports fans or he is combative and disagreeable for the sake of being disagreeable. But he did put out kind of an interesting tweet that I did think was worth discussing here on this, this, this show. And the tweet was this. On Sunday, after the Final Four was set, or maybe it was even Monday, he, said, he, he did tweet this, and I thought it was an interesting conversation. He said, serious question. Is all of America rooting against Duke? I think there is a not insignificant group of casuals who would enjoy seeing Coach K walk off with a title. To which I say, I actually do not agree with that at all. But what I will say is, I do think that this, I, I, listen, I think 
Duke is the most hateable brand in college basketball if you're not a Duke fan. And that's great, and that's what they're great at, right? No different than right now, Alabama is the most hateable brand because they beat everybody. Now, I'm not saying Duke has had the success of Alabama because I don't think any team in sports has had the success of Alabama over the last 10 years. But Duke is the most recognizable brand. Duke is the most hateable brand. And I do, I do not believe that casuals are rooting for Duke like Dan Wilkins said. At the same time, though, I will also say that I do believe that I'm not sold that this particular Duke team is as hateable as it once was. And I'll take a step. I don't even know if Coach K is as hateable as he once was. And so let's get into it. Let's break it down because I, I do think it's an interesting conversation. And what I would say is this. I don't think casuals are rooting for Duke because I don't, one, I don't know how many casuals there are out there. And two, I will actually say this. I think the reason there are not that many people that are actually rooting for Duke that aren't Duke fans is actually a testament to Coach K. All right? Like one of the things you cannot deny about Coach K is that in the process of a 40-plus year Hall of Fame career, he has pissed off a lot of fan bases. And that is, I guess, the price or the, the cost of being great, or I don't even know what the term would be, but that's that comes with the territory of being great for four decades. You win a lot, you break a lot of hearts, you upset a lot of people, and people don't like you. That's part of the deal with Coach K. That's part of what makes him great is all the people he's pissed off over the last 40 years. And so, no, I don't believe casuals are going to be into it because think about all the fan bases that he has pissed off over the last 40 years. First of all, we know about all the ACC teams, right? Carolina. Carolina fans despise Coach K. And with good reason. They're rivals. They should. They've been rude. Listen, you have to be probably about the age of 60 right now. Think about this. you got to be the age of 50-plus years old, if you're a Carolina fan, to be old enough to remember rooting for Carolina against Duke before Coach K. So we are talking about two, three, four generations of Carolina fans that absolutely hate Coach K because of the fact that they're simply big rivals and Coach K's beaten them a lot. Now, Carolina's beaten them a lot, including the most recent matchup just a few weeks ago. But Coach K's beaten them a lot too. And you're talking about 40 plus years of hatred that has been built up with the Carolina fan base. And it's not just Carolina. Think about all these ACC teams that have been around since Coach K started. NC State fans hate him. Wake Forest fans hate him. Virginia fans hate him. Georgia Tech fans hate him. So we're talking about six, seven, eight programs that have been competing against him nonstop since he got into to college basketball in 1980, I think was when he took over the Duke job. On top of that, it's not just the ACC programs, and again, this is a testament to Coach K's greatness, is all of the fan bases that he has pissed off along the way. I've said it before, it kind of blows me away when you think about how many fan bases truly hate Duke and truly hate Coach K. First of all, the most famous one we all know, Kentucky. 1992, Christian Leitner steps on a kid's chest. Then he hits a buzzer beater. Kentucky fans hate Duke. They will always hate Duke because of who they are, how they won, the fact that they knocked out the most likable, you know, the, the most revered Kentucky team maybe in the history of the Kentucky program in 1992, the Unforgettables. For people who don't know the background, it was basically the whole program went on major NCA sanctions uh, during the end of the Eddie Sutton era. Basically, the only guys stayed were local Kentucky kids. Anybody that had any other opportunity transferred out, went pro, whatever. Rick Pitino takes this ragtag group of guys, takes them to the Elite Eight. And so Christian Leitner, Duke knocked off one of the most iconic Kentucky teams of all time, and that's why Kentucky fans hate him. I always tell this story, and it blows people away. Christian Leitner also broke the hearts of UConn fans with maybe the most iconic UConn team ever, too. 
A lot of people don't know this story, but prior to that 1992 final national championship run where Christian Leighton knocked out Duke, go back to 1990. UConn, the first great Jim Calhoun team. They called it the dream season. Nobody saw it coming. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, UConn ends up winning the Big East, getting a number one seed. It was the team that put the program on the map. UConn has won four titles since. No big deal. Hate to brag. They've won four titles since 99, 04, 2011, 2014. But at the same time, the 1990 team, for fans that are old enough to remember it, is the most revered and most loved. Well, guess how their season ended? It ended with a Christian Leitner buzzer beater in the Elite Eight to keep UConn out of its first Final Four in school history. And I would add, it took almost a decade. It took nine more years for Jim Calhoun to get that monkey off his back and make a Final Four. I'm old enough to remember, it was a topic in Connecticut. Can Jim Calhoun win the big one? Can Jim Calhoun make a Final Four? It sounds stupid now. He's got three national titles. That was a real topic that happened uh, back, in, uh, you know, back in the early 90s, and it started with Christian Leitner. Christian Leitner misses that buzzer beater. Coach K doesn't call a great play. Duke's not going to the Final Four. UConn's going to the Final Four in 1990. Ironically, maybe they would have played UNLV in the championship game. On top of that, it's not just Duke. It's not just Carolina. It's not just UConn. Arizona fans. Arizona in 2001 played Duke in the national championship game. And to this day, they believe that there were a lot of calls that went against them that cost them a national championship in 2001. They won one in 97. They thought 2001 was theirs as well. You know how I know that? It's because of the fact that about five, six weeks ago, I was in bed with the death flu, if you remember, and I saw this game on and I tweeted out, oh, you know, maybe I'll watch this to pass the time while I'm trying to just not whatever. I was, you know, 100 plus degree fever or whatever. I bring it up because I tweet out, oh, Arizona Duke replay, 2001 championship game. It's on ESPNU. I must have had a dozen Arizona fans like, screw Duke. The call with two minutes left, the over the back on Jay Williams. I mean, I don't remember it, but Jay, uh, Arizona fans certainly remember Jay Williams climbing over somebody's back to get a rebound that wasn't called that would have got caught, that cost Arizona a national championship. So Arizona fans hate them. Uh, Maryland fans, you know how much Maryland fans hate Duke after everything they did? Now, Maryland got a little bit of a revenge in 2002 when they went on to win the national championship, but Maryland had a 20-year track record hatred of Duke that really seemed to heighten in the early 2000s. They lose to Duke in the 2001 Final Four. They do end up winning the title in 2002, but I just bring it up say Maryland fans hate Duke. They're not in the ACC anymore. Arkansas fans. Arkansas played Duke in the 94 Final Four. And Arkansas actually won that game. But if you were on social media this week, you saw Scotty Thurman, Arkansas star, was still chirping at Grand Hill 30 years later. So it shows you how long Coach K has been around. And that's why I don't believe casuals or even a majority or whatever are rooting for Coach K because I don't know how many casuals there are. Just like I don't know how many casuals there are when the Yankees play in the World Series or when Notre Dame plays a major college football game or when the Lakers are in the NBA Finals. When you have 30-plus years of having success against marquee fan bases and then even non-marquee fan bases, you just start to root for and against teams, right? You're either a Carolina guy or a Duke guy. You're either a Lakers guy or a Celtics guy. You're either a, Brady Man uh, a Tom Brady guy or a Peyton Manning guy. That's what happens in sports. And so, no, I don't believe that there is a group of casuals that is rooting for Duke. What I would say at the same time, though, I do think that this particular Duke team is a little bit harder to root against. And I'll also say, I, I do think some of the Coach K hate has softened just a tiny bit here over the last couple weeks. I know what you're going to say. Torres, you just said everybody hates Coach K. Now you're saying people love him. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. 
But what I am saying is that one thing that I have noticed covering sports through the years, and even just being a fan of sports, is that what I will say is I have seen time and time and time again that there are hated players. You hate this guy. And then when you realize, and coaches too, and then when you realize, oh my God, like this is about to be over, all of a sudden people don't hate him nearly at him or her nearly as much anymore. The first time I really noticed this, it was actually Derek Jeter a few years ago when Derek Jeter retired. Remember, the captain. And if you were a baseball fan, pretty much from like 93, 94, I think the Yankees won their first World Series in 95, to 2009, Derek Jeter broke your heart at some point, right? I mean, Derek Jeter, the, the, the iconic play at Oakland Coliseum, running across the field, flipping it, uh, whatever, flipping it, uh, you know, getting, I think it was Jeremy Giambi out at the plate, maybe it was Jason Giambi, I can't remember. He had all these incredible plays. He's diving in the stands against the Red Sox. And it wasn't just Red Sox fans that hated him, just like it's not just North Carolina fans that hate Coach K. Oh, no, 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 no. A's fans hate him. Braves fans hate him. Marlins fans. You know, I'm just trying to go through every team that he beat at some point in his career. Everybody hated Derek Jeter. But you know what I also noticed? Those final few weeks when you're like, oh, my God, Derek Jeter, this is really about to be over. Derek Jeter's really about to be done. What happened? Everybody started liking Derek Jeter. And it was so funny because uh, it was so funny because I just vividly remember that last game, and I don't remember all the details who they were playing. But do you remember Derek Jeter's final game? Do you remember when he got the walk-off hit? And oh my God, there were people crying in the streets. Derek Jeter's little nephew pulls off his hat, says respect with a two instead of an S. And everybody's like, oh my God, I love Derek Jeter. I'm so sad to see him go. And these weren't just Yankees fans. Everybody was like, oh, my God, that was unbelievable. Derek Jeter just hit a walk-off to win his final game as a Yankee. That's so perfect. And everybody was happy for Derek Jeter, and they're crying in the streets. It's like the end of a movie. By the way, it was the same for the late Kobe Bryant. And I I, I hate even bringing up his name because it's so sad about what has happened. But you remember that last game with Kobe? I mean, for years, everybody hated Kobe, hated him, hated him, hated him. Wins in the finals. Uh, you know, Shaq leaves, comes back, wins again, wins two more titles, five championships. We hate Kobe. We hate him. We hate him. We hate him. And then what happens? He gets old. He has a few injuries. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, this guy's not going to be around forever. Then he comes out final night, 60 points against the Utah Jazz. And all of a sudden, people are like, oh, my God, I love Kobe. I'm going to miss him so much. This happens all the time. And I do think to a degree it's happening with Coach K. I don't think people are rooting for him. But I do think the idea of not being able to root against him, that's a great, I, had never, I didn't even thought of it until this segment right here. This was not in my notes. I don't think people are rooting for him on Saturday, but I do think people are starting to get sad about the idea of not being able to root against him. He is the face of college basketball. Duke is the biggest brand in college basketball. And not having him around, this might be a topic for Friday's show, I don't know what it does for college basketball. I don't know what it does for the Carolina Duke rivalry. Is Carolina Duke going to be as hated without Coach K? Is beating Duke, whether it's in the regular season at the Champions Classic, whether it's in the the ACC regular season, whether it's in the ACC tournament, whether it's in the NCAA tournament, is it going to feel as good without Coach K? And so I think a lot of people are starting to wrap their heads around that. Like, man, I'm going to miss this guy. And then finally, what I would say is, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't think people, I don't, I don't think people are rooting for him, but I do think people are starting to get sad thinking about not being able to root against him the same way 
that, um, you know, it was the same with Jeter and the same with Kobe. And then finally with this Duke team, what I would also say, I also think, I, I don't think this Duke team, I, I don't want to say people aren't rooting against Duke. They don't want Duke to win the championship, not in Coach K's final year. But what I would say is, this Duke team is sort of hard to root against. And, and let me explain why. Like, it's because of what I, really, it's really because of what I said the last few weeks, is because I think we all thought this Coach K retirement tour was going to go a certain way. They were struggling all year, struggling all year, struggling all year, get into the NCAA tournament. And at some point, you know, they're going to get knocked out. And I had them losing to Texas Tech. Some of you had them losing to Arkansas. Some of you had them losing to Gonzaga. Some of you had them losing to Memphis in the second, or not Memphis, um, uh, whatever. I can't remember. Michigan State in the second round. But I bring it up because I think we all thought that if we got to this point, I don't think any most people thought that Duke was making a Final Four. But I think we all thought if Duke got to this point, that it was going to be because of something sketchy, right? It was going to be because of the fact that Duke got all the calls, or it was going to be because of the fact that uh, the refs wanted Duke to win, or that CBS wanted Duke to win, or that TBS wanted Duke to win. And that hasn't been the case at all. And that's why I think it's kind of hard for people to root against. You can root against Duke, but when they just come out and they're making plays and they're beating Michigan State because they're the better team, or they're beating Texas Tech because they're the better team, I just think that's really hard to wrap your head around if you're a fan of like, I hate them. Why? Because they're awesome and do everything that you wish your your team could do? Because they're awesome and they make all the big plays? Like, Duke is not in the Final Four because the refs want them there or because the TV executives want them there. They have gone out and in three straight games won three straight games in, in a way in which basically, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is they have gone out and won those games. Nobody's handed it to them. It hasn't been the refs. It hasn't been this. It, it, they've gone out and won it. So I don't want to belabor the point. I don't believe people are rooting for Coach K. I do believe that's his greatness is how many people hate him. But I also do think people are starting to wrap their heads around the idea of like, crap, man, like I'm not going to be able to root against this guy anymore. That makes me kind of sad. That makes me kind of sad. All right, so what I want to do, I want to take a quick break. I do want to come back. We'll wrap the show. One more story. Arkansas, the big pig invasion, another five-star commit. What does it mean for Arkansas? What does it mean for college basketball as a whole? As Arkansas is, I mean, we're talking about a real talented team coming into next year. We'll be right back. All right, we're going to get back to the college basketball in a minute, but the final four is here. We are down to four, and our partners at DraftKings have an incredible offer for you first-time users. There are three games left in the season, and here's the deal. If you make a bet on any of these remaining games, bet on any team, Duke, Carolina, Kansas, or Villanova, make a $5 money line bet. If that team wins, you automatically get $200 in free bets courtesy of DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook. It's the best offer going. Here's how you take advantage. First of all, click the link in the show description. Sign up for a new DraftKings sports account. You got to so- click the link, sign up for a new account, then you go to the Sportsbook Bet $5 on any team after you make a deposit. And if your team wins, you get an automatic $200 in free bets. Click the link. Sign up for an account. Go to the sportsbook. $5 bet. $200 in free cash if your team wins. It's the best offer going, so take advantage now. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 
1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, or call or text Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Must be 21 plus or over to enter, 18 plus or over in Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, Louisiana, New York only, minimum $5 deposit, minimum $5 wager, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. All right, everybody, I'm back. Going to be back, going to be back. Do want to continue the conversation on college basketball, but do want to take it in a slightly different direction. Because if you are a basketball purist, you obviously know this week all about the Final Four, North Carolina, Duke, Villanova, Kansas, descending upon New Orleans later this week. But at the same time, there is something else going on in college basketball, kind of that college basketball, high school basketball recruiting scene that is worth noting and that's the McDonald's All-American game. It takes place later this week. It takes place in Chicago. 24 of the best high school players in America are descending upon Chicago and will play in the McDonald's All-American game later this week. Most of the top players at this point are committed. You know the names. I don't need to go through them, but Amari Bailey uh, headed to UCLA. Keontae George headed to Baylor. A couple guys, including Derek Lively, headed to Duke. couple going to Bama. A couple going to Kentucky. On and on and on and on and on. But on Monday, there was one player that had yet to commit that decided to make his college announcement at the McDonald's All-American game. His name was Anthony Black. Uh, very, very cool story. Six foot seven guard, really a very quickly descending player about a year, a year and a half ago. He was barely on these recruiting rankings at all. He's gotten significantly better. He led his school in Texas right outside the Dallas area to a state title. And on Monday at the McDonald's All-American three-point and slam dunk contest, Anthony Black made his college decision in front of all of America, okay? Was down to five schools. TCU, where his stepbrother Micah Peavy plays. Oklahoma State, obviously they have had success with big guards with Cade Cunningham last year. Gonzaga was in the mix for obvious reasons. Gonzaga's awesome. Arkansas was in the mix. And the NBA G League was an option as well. Well, Anthony Black gets up on that podium. And Anthony Black announces, drumroll please, Anthony Black is... And Arkansas Razorback, that is right. Woo, pig suey, big pig invasion, baby. Anthony Black is headed to the University of Arkansas. And how about this for Eric Musselman? Anthony Black becomes the third McDonald's All-American in the 2022 recruiting class, joining Nick Smith Jr. from the Little Rock area, joining Jordan Walsh, who played his high school ball in Missouri. I believe he's originally from Texas, really high-flying athletic player. And the Arkansas Razorbacks, very likely, when this recruiting class is done, backed by those three McDonald's All-Americans, we'll have the number two recruiting class in the country. So what does this mean for Arkansas? Let's get into it. First of all, I mean, they're just getting a really, really good player, right? You're not named a McDonald's All-American if you're not really talented. And this Anthony Black kid is, he's got the chance to be special. Now, like so many great high school players, um, his best basketball will not be played in college basketball. And by the way, that's not a criticism. Uh, it's the same with Jabari Smith, Paulo Bancaro, Chet Holmgren, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, whoever. But six foot seven, big guard. What I have seen from him, I've seen him in person a few times, really like his aggressive nature. 
uh, on the offensive end of the court, really aggressive on both ends of the court, but what I like about it is the offensive uh, aggressiveness. He is not super big, but he is not afraid to attack. Six foot seven, jumping up, attacking that rim. He is absolutely fearless. And so what he now provides to Arkansas, and we'll figure out over the next couple weeks what Arkansas's roster and uh, you know everything looks like at Arkansas over these next couple weeks. But I mean, you talk about a big, versatile, athletic guard that can play on the ball. He can play off the ball. He can play with this guy. He can play with that guy. He is just going to be an incredible addition to this program. And the one thing that keeps coming up in my head is that Eric Musselman puts the ball in his best playmaker's hands and lets them go to work. So not saying that it's not going to be Nick Smith, not saying it's not going to be Anthony Black, not saying that it can't be somebody else that is going to be on the team next year, whether it's Devo Davis, maybe J.D. Note returns as well. But the point is, Coach Muss, with that NBA background, gives his players offensive freedom. And this is the kind of guy, if you're going to give your players offensive freedom, this is the kind of guy that you want on your roster because he is a guy that can just go make plays in addition to the two other McDonald's All-Americans that I mentioned. Beyond that, what I would say is, I think it's pretty indisputable at this point that Eric Musselman's recruiting pitch is working to a T, okay? And I know anybody listening knows this, but man, Coach Muss, I mean, you talk about just, I give him so much credit because he had this vision in his head when he got to really college basketball back at Nevada, but he has taken it to another level at Arkansas of, I coached in the NBA. I know what it takes to get to the NBA, and oh, by the way, I am going to surround you with a bunch of other coaches that know what it takes to get to the NBA, and that's exactly what he's done at Arkansas. Uh, Assistant coach Keith Smart, we all know, won a national championship as a player at Indiana, played in the NBA, head coach in the NBA, assistant coach in the NBA. Ronnie Brewer, who's on the coaching staff, I know he's in a a non, uh, you know, on-court role, he can't do actual coaching, but he is on that staff as a recruiting coordinator. And so what Eric Musselman has done is told all of these high school players, listen, there's a lot of great places where you can go and play basketball and play in front of 20,000 fans or play for a great college coach or play for a great university or attend a great school or whatever. But there is nowhere in college basketball that is better, you know, is a better place to better prepare you for the NBA than here. Now, to be fair, there's other great places in that category. Duke has done it for years. We'll see what happens without Coach K. John Calipari, you can criticize him for a lot, but he gets his guys ready to play at the college level, and they perform in the NBA. I think Penny Hardaway, you can criticize Penny Hardaway for a lot of things. I think he gets his guys ready for the NBA, Precious Achua, and a bunch of other guys, James Wiseman, on and on and on. What I would say, though, is it's hard to make the argument that anybody is a better place to get you ready for the NBA, playing for Eric Musselman, playing for Keith Smart, Ronnie Brewer. There's other guys on the staff that have coached in the G League, that have coached in the NBA. And so I believe that this recruiting pitch is working to a T, and it's proven with a third McDonald's All-American in this recruiting class. Finally, what I would say, I got to go back to what I said after Arkansas beat Gonzaga a few days ago in the NCAA tournament. If you remember, what did I say? I said, if I could buy stock in one program in college basketball right now, that the program would be Arkansas. Because tell me what you want out of a program in college basketball right now that Arkansas is not doing. 
They recruit at an elite level. This is now three McDonald's All-Americans in this class. Oh, by the way, Moses Moody was a McDonald's All-American two years ago. I believe that they do as good of a job as anybody in college basketball evaluating in the transfer portal. I think we all look at the transfer portal. We all put together rankings, myself included. These are the best players. And you look at a Texas, you look at a Kentucky, and you just go out. Some schools are just going after the best players that they can possibly get. I think what Arkansas does better than anybody, they look at players and they look at pieces and they say, how will this guy fit with that guy and that guy and that guy that are coming back? Audis Tony, Chris Likes, uh, Trey Wade last year. None of them. I, I'll be honest. I think I did a top 50 in the transfer portal rankings. I don't think any of them made my top 25 in terms of who I expected to be impact players. But those three individually, and I might be missing somebody else, Stanley Amude is another one. I think Stanley Amude was right on the cusp of top 25, top 30. But you look at those guys, and they weren't guys that jumped off the pages, oh my God, they're going to be instant impact players at, at, you know, at their next stop. The way that Walker Kessler was, or what we thought Marcus Carr would be, or what we thought James Akinjo would be, or what we thought Remy Martin would be. And so I just bring it up to say, I think right now they're doing as good of a job of evaluating in the portal as anybody else. And then, oh by the way, goes back to what I said on Thursday. They're winning on the court where it matters the most. Obviously finished the year, what was it, 17-4 and four over their last 21 games. And that included, by the way, a loss in the Elite Eight. And that included, of course, a loss in the SEC tournament. So really, their last like 15 or 16 regular season games. We're talking about a team that went like 13-2 and two over their last 15 regular season games. They're getting to the NCAA tournament and more importantly, having success. Second straight year that they have been the last team standing from the SEC in the NCAA tournament. And I'll take it a step further with Arkansas. 2021, they lose to Baylor in the NCAA tournament, in the Elite Eight. Well, as it turns out, Baylor was by far the best team they win the national championship. 2022, they get to the Elite Eight and they play Duke, which is now the favorite going to New Orleans. And so I think there's a chance that they could lose in the Elite Eight to the eventual champions in two straight years. I know that doesn't make you feel better, Arkansas fans, but it's the reality of you're right on the brink, and if you got a slightly different draw, there's a chance you're going to back-to-back -back Final Fours. And so when I start looking at programs nationally, how many are in a better place doing all the things, checking all the boxes than Arkansas right now? I'm not saying that I officially believe that they have surpassed Kentucky because Kentucky was awesome this year. But you can make the argument they've surpassed Kentucky as the it program in the SEC. You look nationally. Gonzaga's really pretty high up there. They just beat Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament. Duke, what is their future without Coach K? And so this isn't a we have to slot Arkansas here above this program but below that program. But when you're talking about, as I said on Thursday, programs that if you could buy stock right now, I don't know that there's anyone that I'm buying stock in more than Arkansas. Recruited an elite level. On top of that, they are evaluating in the portal, and as important as anything, they're winning on the court. So are they number three? Are they number... I don't really care where they are. All I'm saying is there isn't a rocket ship that's shooting straight up faster than Arkansas is right now. So congratulations to the Arkansas Razorbacks. You just picked up your third five-star commit, Anthony Black. He is headed to Arkansas, and I'll tell you, I'm starting to put together my two early top 25 for next year. We still don't know what's going to happen with J.D. Note. I think there's at least a possibility that he returns. 
but you're going to have some returnees with the number two recruiting class in the country. It's really hard to find the scenario Arkansas is starting next year outside of the top five, and that might be a little bit, you know, I don't even know if top five is enough. I mean, are we talking top three? Are we talking number one in the country coming back next year if J.D. Note returns, if Audis Tony returns? I think it's at least possible. We can discuss all of that later, but a third McDonald's All-American for Arkansas, a program that is just so very much on the rise. And with that said, I think that's it for this episode of today's Aerator Sports Podcast. What a show. What a show as I sit out here from my hotel in New Orleans and look at, well, I'm actually looking at the back alley. You know how sometimes at a hotel you get that great view and then there's the other views in which you get the boiler room and you get the cafeteria and you get nothing? Well, I got that one, but it's okay because I'm in New Orleans and I'm happy. I'm not complaining. Blessed to be here. With that said, I think it's time for me to get out of here. Uh, It is Wednesday. Got some stuff to do around town today. I want to thank you guys and girls for listening to today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, please make sure to listen and subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Like I said, rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Uh, And I did mention it uh, earlier in the show. You guys have been killing it. You guys have been downloading, listening, sharing, and I cannot thank you guys and girls enough. And I should mention, by the way, we don't do off-seasons here on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Once this tournament goes final, don't you guys and girls worry. Oh, we are going to be talking all sorts of good stuff. We're going to be talking transfer portal. We're going to be talking all sorts. We got so much going on, so don't feel like, hey, once this tournament ends, Torres is going to have nothing to say. No, we, we, we keep on rolling. So, But thank you guys and girls again for your support. Another record number of downloads in the month of March. Uh, Monday's episode, as I said, it was the second most downloaded day in the history of the show. So I cannot thank you guys and girls enough for your support. Uh, and that's really it. Make sure you subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to hit up the YouTube channel. We just passed 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. So thank you for your support there. With that said, it is time for me to get out of here. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to all you guys and girls. Thank you for your support of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I will be back on Friday from New Orleans. Have a great day, party people. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.